Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, good to be with you. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. Some good football on Saturday, none of which was played by the Kansas Jayhawks, but there was a lot of good football. Some good Oklahoma State Cowboys in the NFL yesterday. Tyron Johnson, Chris Carson, both getting the end zone. So, yeah, good weekend. Oh, Tyron. Tyron's my boy. I've been on I've been on the Tyron train for a very long time. Uh, oh, yeah. Great to see him score on his first catch, which is so Tyron, it's not even funny. Uh, but I, everyone who listens to this pod knows I'm a big fan of him. So it was great to see him get off the practice squad, score a touchdown. And um, before we get into the first five, Colby, you, you mentioned Kansas. It's kind of sad, or it, it's always been sad ever since they got rid of the NGM, just how bad they are. But like, Less miles, just kind of roaming the sidelines aimlessly. Uh, I distinctly remember Colby. The Mangino years obviously were such a success. He obviously won the Orange Bowl. Everybody knows that. But I always think back to, I think it was 2007 homecoming in Stillwater. I think I went as a student. Kansas went in there and won like big. I think they blew OSU out that that game. And Yeah, they did. I was there. I was there as well. It was not was, pretty. That was the year I think Kansas even made it to the Orange Bowl. And yeah, I just I distinctly remember Kansas having better football players than Oklahoma State. So to see where they are now is is really quite pathetic. And it's an indictment on their their athletic department. But somewhere Mark Mangino has to be laughing watching the product they put out. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. And I mean, they ran him out of town. I don't know. I guess they thought that they would be able to just continue having success because they had a little bit there in the mid 2000s and they have turned into such a laughing stock and they bring less miles in it's like okay now we got this good head coach i mean they had guys from coastal carolina on the sideline on espn yelling that kansas couldn't hang with them that kansas was not good enough to hang with them coastal carolina was letting yeah. that rip on the sideline so i mean they're an embarrassment to their university to the conference I mean, every time they they step on the football field, you would assume if there's ever conference realignment that Kansas is safe because the basketball program is so elite. But man, you got to take on this football program, which is a serious handcuff. Yeah, and they're trying, like they're they're trying to build more facilities, which that's that's one of the main things that's wrong with their program. They don't have facilities. I mean, they don't even have the the means to compete with other schools in their conference. But they're trying to build all that up but anyway that's just kind of something I was thinking about during the game but we can get to the first five after we hear from Chris's University Spirit your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner you can shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com and I was actually perusing the website uh Colby I'm I'm tend to be biased I only talk about like t-shirts for dudes but they got shopping for women they have shopping for kids uh, you won't have this problem, Colby. Your your uh, wife's a, an OSU grad, right? So you, your kid will be wearing OSU stuff. I'm going to have to, like, go up to Chris's and buy OSU kids stuff and just whenever I finally have kids, just put it on them because my fiancé is a, an OU uh, alum. So that's going to be a that's gonna be a battle for me. You don't have that problem. Yeah, no, I have sympathy for you there because I – boy, I tell you what, I don't think I could ever stand – I don't think I have the stomach to watch my future kid walk around in OU gear. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, you're going to have to do that. And I feel bad for you because, no, I will never have that problem. <laughs> well, I know where to go if I want the stuff to, to, you know, my future children. I know exactly where I'm going to buy this stuff. So go to chrisuniversityspirit.com. They have tons of stuff for that. They got all the auto accessories. You want some stickers for your car, the license plate holders. There's 
more than just clothing and apparel, go to chrisuniversityspirit.com. With that said, let's go to the first five, Colby. I kind of want to break this down in segments. Uh, number one, the big storyline coming into this game was the quarterback spot. Uh, I said all along, I didn't think Spencer Sanders was going to play. He did not. Mike Gundy said before the game, Spencer took about 40% of the reps in practice, was only about 75, 80% to go. And that's obviously why you don't you don't put him out there because it's Kansas. And uh, Shane Ellingworth stepped up, Colby. I thought they had a much better game plan. He played really well. Yeah, he played really well. I, I like the fact that they were willing to throw the ball down the field a little bit. It wasn't just the sideways stuff. I think that against West Virginia and even against Tulsa to an extent, they, they very much felt like those games could be lost. So they needed to protect Illingworth and not put him in a position where he'd even be able to make mistakes. Whereas against Kansas, I think they felt like, okay, we're going to win this game. This is a chance to let him unleash a little bit uh, and throw the ball down the field, which I thought he did a great job of, had the nice deep one to Tylen, as well as to Braden Johnson. We finally had another receiver make a play with the 66-yard touchdown catch. So I, I was pleased with what I saw, uh, both from an offensive game plan standpoint and from just the standpoint of Shane Hillingworth being able to throw the ball down the field accurately, a little bit of zip with the arm. So uh, I thought it was very encouraging. I mean, they scored 47, and nobody really picked them. Nobody I saw picked them to get north of 40 offensively. So I think it was a good day for the Oklahoma State offense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with your point that they weren't afraid of losing the game. And I think that's – if you're going to throw a true freshman out there, you have to let them go. And I, I loved what I saw from them. And I do think, too, the, the first time he was thrown out there, it was such a spur of the moment. He hadn't practiced. He had been quarantined. And they've now had a couple weeks to kind of find out what he does well, what they're comfortable with letting – what, what they're comfortable letting him do. And I thought it was a very creative game plan without being, w w while being simplistic, right? I think a lot of the, the reverses with Tywin, the, the swing passes to Tywin were a great way to get him involved. Uh, the running game I thought was much better with Chuba, which who we'll get to. But I, I just loved the creativity yet simplicity with Illingworth to where they weren't asking him, they weren't putting everything on his shoulders, but still letting him throw down the football field. So I, I think he's got a lot to work with, Colby. Obviously, the arm strength is there. I thought he showed great pocket presence on one of those throws where he stepped up in the pocket. Uh, this kid's got a lot to like. Now, I'm not here to say he should be starting over Spencer Sanders. Sanders should be the guy when they play Baylor in two weeks. But, man, they, they it seems as if Oklahoma State has found their quarterback of the future, Colby. I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with Illingworth and, and, and all the talent he has. Yeah, I have too. And I, I think he's obviously the guy to succeed. Spencer – pardon me, Spencer Sanders. Um, curious, I'm just curious. This is a total random rabbit hole. My brain just went down, but I'm curious what this means for Gunner Gundy. If Shane Ellingworth is clearly the guy for the next, uh, I mean, this year doesn't even count toward eligibility. So you can still have four more years of Ellingworth on campus and you're probably still going to have two more at least of Spencer Sanders on campus. I'm very curious to see what that means for Gunner Gundy going forward. We don't, have to go way down that rabbit hole, but that was just a random thought that popped into my head. Well, I thought during the Tulsa game, he was going to come down from the student section and, <laughs> and grab a helmet because they needed him with, with Bullock throwing it. It would have been a viable team. option at that point. It would have been a viable option. I'm joking, but only kind of. I thought Gundy might text him and say, get, get your butt down here out of student section. But uh, I think Gunner Colby is, is – he's just gunning for – pardon the awful pun there. I don't even mean that. But I think he's gunning for the final year of his – college career maybe to take over like once Illingworth leaves because he did that that weird deal where 
he's at school, but he's sitting out this year to kind of off to give himself more time of eligibility in between Illingworth and himself. They're not going to be the same year because he's not playing this year. So maybe he's just happy to go to Stillwater, back up Illingworth. And as we've seen with OSU quarterbacks, Colby, I mean, injuries can and will happen. So maybe that's, maybe that's what he's thinking. I think more than anything, he just wants to be in Stillwater, go to school and, and obviously, he's, he's a, he was a decent high school football player in his own right, so who knows? But I kind of thought he might grab a helmet coming down from Tulsa. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been a good play in week one. I don't, maybe he redshirts next year. That would be having him on Stillwater through, what, like 2026 or something ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I, my brain can't even think that far out into the future. Don't have that kind of brain capacity. No, but uh, great performance from Illingworth. And again, they're off this this week and then they'll get Baylor on the road. And I, you think Spencer Sanders will be back and, and their offense will look the way they had planned for it to look uh, coming into this season. So, but again, I think I think Mike Gundy's handled this beautifully. I think he's managed this team beautifully. Yeah, uh, I, would no, almost, I would almost guarantee to Oklahoma State fans that Spencer Sanders starts the next game against Baylor. I don't think that there is by any means a quarterback controversy it is very much still Spencer Sanders' offense. No, and just think of what Sanders can do for the running game with his ability to run the football with his own read and everything else. Like Casey Dunn said it. He's like on the ESPN Plus show, he was like, we've built our entire offense around his skill set, and then he's out after like the second series. Uh, so they've, they've been adjusting on the fly, but you definitely want Sanders in there because he'll help the running game with how much – turnover and, and injury and <clears throat> changes they've had on the offensive line. So it's a, it's yeah, a good I mean, first start can, to the Big 12 play without him. Yeah, I mean, if he can even just hold a defensive end for another half a second, that's all Chuba or LD need. Just hold one guy for half a second. That's one less guy that they have to make miss at the line of scrimmage, and they can go. That's where we saw some of those big holes last year that Chuba was able to break off some of those 70 and 80-yard runs. You know, if you're not holding anybody down because the quarterback's not a run threat, there aren't as many of those huge holes for the big home run uh, style of play. So Spencer will help a ton with that. I'm looking forward to seeing him back out there. Yeah, because, I mean, look, they've they've played the softest portion of their schedule to this point. Has, has it been great so far? Yes. But you go at Baylor, you got Iowa State at home, Texas at home, at K-State, at OU coming up. That You need all the weapons you have on offense. You need all the holding defensive linemen as long as you can when – when you're playing teams like that instead of Kansas and, and Tulsa and West Virginia. Uh, you mentioned Chuba, uh, number two on the first five. Uh, his demise was was greatly exaggerated. But again, I think the, the criticism and critiques of Chuba were, were very accurate. He was not the same player we had seen through his career, but he's back in a big way, Colby. 20 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns. This was, Chuba was back to doing Chuba things and that was that was great to see for OSU. Yeah, he just looked like he was running confident the way he ran a year ago. And obviously, you're, you're going up against Kansas. So we'll take the, the caliber of opponent for what it is. But, I mean, he looked good. He looked decisive, quick cuts. He was hanging on to the ball, didn't put it on the ground. Uh, first game this season that he hasn't put one on the ground in three tries. So that was nice. I, I don't know what was going on the first two weeks, but kind of like we told everybody, be patient. Everybody has bad days. The offense itself was a disaster against Tulsa after Spencer went down. So I completely throw that game out. Now against West Virginia, he didn't look great, but it, 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 to me, it was really just one bad week. I thought he had one bad week against West Virginia. I thought he looked good against Kansas. And I don't think there are any concerns moving forward for Chuba Hubbard. Uh, and it was interesting. I think the coaches even knew that they needed to get him going a little bit because he had 20 carries to LD's eight. So I think that was a sign 
from the coaches that they knew Chuba needed a little bit of a confidence builder against Kansas. Yeah, he certainly got it. And again, I think, and look, I think Chuba even admitted this in the post game. He was like, I haven't been doing my part. I have been, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he basically acted like he was letting the team down with his performance. So it's not as if, you know, it's just us or people that talk about OSU football, just, you know, downgrading him as Gundy would say he, he hadn't played well but he's he's back to playing his best and, and again it's Kansas we, all the caveats all the prefaces that it's Kansas but it just looked different it looked it looked like the Chuba we had seen uh, this thus far in his career and and you mentioned LD I thought they showed a lot more depth at the running back spot in this game obviously you can when it's a blowout but LD yeah you mentioned only had eight carries but Desmond Jackson had 10 for 91 I thought he looked good and I want to make this point. Dominic Richardson, as I said previously on this show, is one of the better high school running backs I've covered in Oklahoma. He played with Bishop McGinnis. And he was more of kind of a Chuba type in high school, Colby. He was kind of an upright, speedster, pretty shifty, really a game-breaking type running back. Well, he absolutely trucked a Kansas linebacker. And it was a late pickup with the with Gary Patterson and him. They had a falling out. He pulled his scholarship after, you know, well after the recruiting period. And he ends up at OSU, Colby. But I think I think Dominic Richardson's gonna have a, a legit career at Oklahoma State. That's a great pickup for OSU. And he got in there and ran a dude over. Yeah, let's call it what it is with TCU first off. Some shady stuff went down at TCU. They had a former number one recruit that decided he wanted to come be a horn frog, and they basically ripped the offer out from underneath Dominic Richardson. There was some foul play, in my opinion, going on there. Um, but, hey, now they lose out on Dominic Richardson. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I think he's going to be a good player at Oklahoma State. Very young. Uh, you can tell that he is just raw as an offensive player. But um, I would like to see what he looks like in about 2023. Because I think by that time, he could be a real star at the running back position for Oklahoma State. And it's always cool to see the, the local guys, the homegrown kids that you think can be really, really good and really impressive. And I think Oklahoma has a couple of those with Dominic Richardson, as well as Brennan Presley, who we saw just a little bit of back on punt return, fair caught uh, his first punt return. So uh, I think both of those guys, in-state guys that we could see have big impacts in the future for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that was good to see. And again, last year and years prior, after Chuba, you're kind of looking around at the running backs and like, I don't know who's going to be able to run for a first down on this team. But now it looks like they have, you know, two, three options behind him. So that's certainly encouraging. And, and guys they trust to to put in the game and, and not put the ball on the ground. But but Chuba's back in a big way, and, and you knew he would be. And now he gets to rest up for a week before going to Baylor. But by far the the number one storyline this season for Oklahoma State is, is number three, Colby. The, the defense – Again, it's Kansas. We all know that. We all understand that. But what you want to see out of a defense that you think is really good going up against a Kansas team is exactly what they did. Kansas had like, let me see here. They had 83 yards of offense, averaging 1.2 yards a rush, and were 0 for 11 on third down through three quarters. That is as dominant as you can be in the year 2020 in college football with the way offenses work nowadays. That is that's like a 1980s OU defense numbers wise. And they have continued to uh, put the pedal to the metal, really just dominate games. They continued it against Kansas. And I, I cannot be more impressed than I am already with, with the OSU defense, Colby. Yeah, before Oklahoma State pulled its starters. So this is at the midway point of the third quarter is when Oklahoma State pulled its starters. And this is coming from Gavin Lang on Twitter. 
uh, the other day. He tweeted that Oklahoma State had allowed 67 yards of offense on 39 plays before the starters were pulled. That's 1.7 yards per play for the Oklahoma State defense. Also, so far this season, the OSU defense has faced 37 third downs. They've only allowed six conversions. That's 16%. They're allowing opponents to convert on third down. And you you can talk to me all you want about the competition. Just, just go ahead. Talk to me all you want about the competition. But Tulsa might not be a bad football team. They beat UCF on Saturday. West Virginia beat Baylor on Saturday. So West Virginia, uh, you know, might be okay. They might win three or four conference games. Kansas is a disaster. But they'll put up, you know, 20 points on some teams in conference play this year. When you play bad teams, you should dominate. Puka Williams had 14 carries for 32 yards. That's 2.3 yards a carry. It was a massacre by the Oklahoma State defense. Kansas was suffocated the entire game, and the starters pitched a shutout. So as far as I'm concerned, Kansas didn't score on the starters. I tell you what, though, there was one scary little moment when Malcolm Rodriguez got rolled up into, and you didn't know how serious it was going to be, and then he looked like he was fine. I think he might have even come back in the game. So that was good to see. You got out healthy, and you dominated. So Oklahoma State's defense is as good as we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, you mentioned the Rodriguez deal. I, I actually thought about that when I saw that play. Like, I was just thinking in general about the OSU defense, and I was like, it's only a third game of the year. If this defense can just avoid, you know, catastrophic season-ending injuries, I see this continuing throughout the year. But you need, and I was just thinking about the Big Twelve at, at large as well. Just you need injury luck along the way. So I was glad Rodriguez ended up to be seem like he'd be okay. But if this defense can stay intact, I don't see this changing regardless of step up and competition. Sure, they're, they're not going to hold, you know, OU or, or Iowa State to 83 yards through three quarters. I understand that. But I, I think their level of, of play as far as the best defense in the Big 12 will certainly continue if they can stay healthy. Because, I mean, what's, what's not going away is Calvin Bundage coming off the edge like a wild man. What's not going to change is Eamon Ogbong Bamiga being one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh, you can just go on down the list. Trace Ford, he's not going to quit going after the quarterback. Malcolm Rodriguez is going to keep racking up tackles. These, they have so much talent and even depth. Guys like Israel Antoine, I thought, played really well on the defensive line. I mean, you just go down the list, Colby. There, there is not a lot of weaknesses here. And, and, of course, when they play better competition, I'm sure, you know, Christian Holmes, who's played well, he may give up a pass. And you're like, well, maybe they're not as good as we thought. But through to this point, they have been better than advertised. Mike Gundy advertised them as the best defense he's ever had. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, I look at this Oklahoma State defense, and always before in Bedlam, I mean, usually in Bedlam, you go in and you feel like to win that game, you're going to have to score 45 points to give yourself a chance to win that game. I, I really think that Oklahoma State could win Bedlam this year, 27-23, 31-27, something in that neighborhood. I, I don't think it has to be – a 45, 50 point offensive performance to win the game. Because I do believe that Oklahoma State's defense, while I don't think they'll be able to hold the the elite offenses in this conference to seven points, I do think they can hold the elite conferences, the elite offenses in this conference under 30 points for the most part. And boy, if you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games, especially once Spencer comes back and you get your run game uh, going a little bit, a little more ball control, time of possession. Because if Oklahoma State can control time of possession, and have that elite defense where those guys are on the field and they're fresh every time they step out there because they're not out there 40 minutes a game. I mean, watch out. The, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to overreact because I understand that the competition has been bad early, but 
boy, Oklahoma State looks really good and the rest of the Big 12 looks really not. So I'm, I'm trying to contain my excitement for what the rest of the season could hold for the Cowboys. Well, and I totally agree with your point about just the point total coming to Bedlam. And Mike Gundy spoke about this this week. He, he basically said Yursich is the only one lighting up the bulbs is kind of how he put it in terms of the scoreboard. And here's the winning point totals this week in the Big 12. 33, 37, 27, 31, besides OSU's game, which was 47. That That's exactly what you're speaking to, that – the, the days of every game being 51 to, to 49, the Big 12's changed somewhat. Gundy spoke a lot about how the defenses have kind of caught up a little bit to the offenses, and I think that's certainly true. And you're certainly seeing that with the OSU defense catching up to their own offense. And I, I think that's that's how they're going to win games this year because even when Spencer comes back, I don't think Oklahoma State's an offense that's, you know, it's not a vintage OSU offense like they had with, with Rudolph and Washington and, and some of those others where they were one of the highest scoring teams in the country just not built that way and certainly not a quarterback and, and everywhere else an offensive line but I'm with you man I, I think OSU can absolutely win the big 12 on the strength of their defense and, and holding teams they just hold teams below 30 they got a chance to win every single game this year and that's 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 fun to see uh number four yeah, sorry. Real quick before we move on, I just want to say on the the defense um the, the refreshing thing about watching Oklahoma State play defense how many missed tackles have we seen in three weeks I mean, seriously, how many missed tackles? Three, four? Maybe, yeah. In, in three weeks? So contrast that with the game that we all watched Saturday night. And I, I tell you what, it is refreshing to have your team be the one that doesn't miss 15 to 20 tackles a game. It's a refreshing feeling as a, as a, as a fan of just football sports, good football, good defense. Watching OSU tackle is fun. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think OU missed more tackles on the first series of the game than OSU's missed all season, to, to prove your point. <laughs> and again, this yeah. is where I, I give Jim Knowles so much credit. When they hired him out of Duke, I was like, huh? They're hiring the, the Duke defensive coordinator? What? And it looked terrible that, that first half against Tulsa. And really, since then, he's, he's done a fantastic job. you got to give Mike Gundy a lot of credit for identifying him because he's built a, a really solid unit. And I think Colby... This is my opportunity to give it up to Mike Gundy. I think he dealt with so much stuff this offseason. I think he was so excited to just coach coach football. He's been coaching his tail off. I mean, they again, it's been a soft portion of their schedule, the softest, but he's dealt with a lot of adversity at the quarterback position. He's dealt with his best player, Chuba, being questioned if he still wants to play football by the sideline reporter. He's dealt with a lot this year, and I think he's done a really good job coaching this football team. Getting them up at Lawrence is not an easy game to get up for. We've seen so many great football teams go up there and struggle against terrible teams. And I think Mike Gundy's done a great job. He, he's dealt with some, some curveballs on offense, but he's really managed this team beautifully to, to get them where they are and, and thus far in the season. I want to give it up to him. He, him, and, him and Jim Knowles have, have earned their money. They've done a really good job so far. Yeah, I would agree. I've, I've said a lot of things in the last probably calendar year about Mike Gundy and not a ton of them have been nice. Um, but I do think that he's, had a really good start to the season. I think that he's managing the situation very well, the Spencer uh, injury, and, and you have to give him credit for going out and finding Jim Knowles. I think Jim Knowles, Carson, could be a hot commodity for bigger programs around the country with what he's accomplishing at Oklahoma State. So I hope that Oklahoma State does whatever they need to do financially. You know, obviously I was going to say title-wise, but he's already got the title at D.C., and there's not really a higher opening than that. But I just hope that they uh, – do what they need to do 
to keep Jim Knowles because I do think that his phone's going to be ringing once the season's up. Hire coach Gundy'sCoaches.com. Gundy said he's going to start that URL years ago because his offensive coordinator keeps getting poached, but maybe now he's got to worry about his his defensive coordinator. I think you're right. He's he's people look at Oklahoma State and they're like, wait a second, oh she's playing good defense. Who's their who's their defensive coordinator? I, I think you're right that people will be talking about Jim Knowles nationally. Yeah, and he always dials up the blitzes at the right time. I mean, that's what I love about Jim Knowles. It's not just constantly pinning your ears back and coming, but it seems like every time he dials one up. He's got it timed up at the right time. You remember the game against West Virginia last year when they're driving down to tie the game? It's fourth and goal, and he just goes zero blitz, and they smoke Daggy in the pocket. It's it, it's calls like that at the right moments that make good defensive coordinators. Uh, and not even that, just day-to-day in practice, whatever they're doing to get these guys to tackle. I mean, I just – I feel like I'm drooling over the tackling, but I, I watch college football, and there just aren't other teams in the Big 12 Conference that are tackling the way Oklahoma State's tackling. So – Somebody has to be given the credit. Obviously, a ton of credit goes to the players. They've clearly put the work in, but Jim Knowles has been phenomenal. He really has. And give him and Gundy credit for this too, Colby. What what would Oklahoma do for a Trace Ford or a Calvin Bundage? OSU's more uh, talented than Oklahoma. Terrible thing. They would do terrible, terrible things to have one of those guys. Those are in-state kids. I mean, give yeah. OSU credit. They, they identified them and, and recruited them hard early, and that's how they got them. And OSU's more talented defensively than Oklahoma, who we'll get to a little, a little later. If not close, quite frankly, from an individual talent perspective. Yeah. Uh, number four, we got to give it up to Tylen Wallace. I mean, he's back in a big, big way. Obviously, we talk about him a lot, and we give him a, all the credit in the world because he's a great football player. I don't think people nationally really understand the level Tylen Wallace is at because – he should have won the Blitnikoff over Jerry Judy. He had far better numbers. They, 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 were, they weren't far better, but they were better. He had a better season. He had the best season in the country. Didn't win the Blitnikoff. Okay. He was well on his way to winning it before he tore his knee last year. His numbers dwarfed CeeDee Lambs at the time and was by far the best in the country. If he wins two Blitnikoffs, he's all of a sudden in the same realm as a Justin Blackman and a Michael Crabtree. And he, he really, with some luck, could have. That's the level Tylen Wallace is at. This guy is one of the best to ever do it at OSU, and that's a lofty statement because we know how many receivers they've had. And he's back to his best. And what makes him so unique, Colby, is we all know he can go high point the football on the fade routes and everything else, but he turns into like a, a running back when they when they give him those passes in the flat when he runs reverses. He is a load to bring down, and that's where I think he is different than some of the other guys we've seen at Oklahoma State where – he turns into a running back when he gets the ball in his hands. His yard after carry numbers are, are, are crazy, and it's great to see him healthy and, and performing the way he is. Yeah, I think with receivers, what you see a lot of times is guys specialize in something. And I think that we see that with Braden Johnson right now at Oklahoma State. He specializes in going deep, outrunning people, and, and catching bombs. That's what he specializes in. It was kind of the same thing with James Washington. Now, he did more than that, obviously, and he was a great player, but we see in the NFL that – Maybe he isn't the Christmas route runner and it's taken him some time to get up to speed in the NFL. Chuba, I don't feel like has one thing, not Chuba, Tylen, I don't feel like has one thing that he does well. He can take a pass in the flat, truck somebody, stiff arm somebody, make a spin move and go to the house. He can outrun you down the sideline, catch a go route uh, for 60 yards and go to the house. He can run the out route. He can run quick slants. He just, I don't see a weak spot in Tylen Wallace's game and I think when all is said and done, he'll be a top 
four receiver to ever play at Oklahoma State. Now that includes Justin Blackman, Des Bryant, and Rashawn Woods. So you can rank those guys however you want to rank them. And uh, trust me, I don't want to rank them because just the thought of having to put one of those guys above or below another is uh, makes your head hurt. But I do think that he'll be in that conversation by the time this season is over. Who would you compare him to in the NFL? I was trying, as you were talking, I was just trying to think of someone that he would compare to. Um, I, I always kind of use the Dez example in that he plays like Dez. You know, Dez was only six foot, six foot one, but he looked like he was six five when he played because he just played bigger than he was. But he, he's not quite the same as Dez. Uh, who would you compare him to? Golly, that is a good question. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Maybe uh, I would probably compare him to like a Devontae Adams. Okay, that's a good one. I think Devontae Adams does a lot of things really well. The Packers use him in a variety of ways. I don't think he's the biggest guy in the world. Uh, yeah, I think probably Devontae Adams. I was – this one probably isn't a great one, but I was thinking like Odell Beckham because he's not very tall. I'm just trying to think of guys who aren't like 6'4". That's what I was – Devontae Adams, I just looked it up, is 6'1", 216. Yeah, so that's a good one. close in stature to Tylen Wallace. Yeah, well, he's he's well on his way to uh, back to making it to the Blitnikoff Award. He's seventh in the country right now in receiving yards with 300 yards, 325 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Uh, the number one guy is 474, but he's got a lot more big games to play on on big time TV because what we're seeing with COVID now, Colby, like OSU Kansas was on the main ESPN channel. Yeah, so th that's actually a good thing for Oklahoma State with all this because that game would normally be relegated to. ESPN Plus. Well, I mean, they Kansas. had Dave Pash. They had Dave Pash and Mike Golick Sr. and Quint Kessnick <laughs> on the call. I'm like, you don't normally get those guys in Lawrence. Mike Golick Sr., I promise, has never been to Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's been in New York doing radio. Uh, but yeah, Lawrence was probably not on his radar. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, number five on the first five, Colby. Uh, Oklahoma State is the only unbeaten team in the league. They're 2 0, they're atop of the standings. And Pure chaos ensues again this week in the Big 12. Texas loses at home to TCU. And, of course, Oklahoma goes on the road, loses to Iowa State on the road for the first time since 1960. They're now 0-2 in Big 12 play for the first time since 1998, which goes all the way back to John Blake. That, that tells you that how bad of a start it's been for Oklahoma. Just your take on, on OU and, and the chaos that ensued. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, I, I mean, I was – the last time OU lost back-to-back -back regular season games, I was seven years old. It was 1999. I, I just – it's not something that I even know. And that's why last week when we recorded our preview show, I said, look, OU's going to go up to Iowa State and they're going to beat them by 20. That's just what they do. And it, and it wasn't even so much me having confidence in the current OU team. It's just that I've been conditioned my whole life that OU doesn't lose back-to-back -back games. They just don't. And for whatever reason, that defense – they just can't figure it out. I, I don't know if it's too much talk and not enough walk. You know, speed D in the offseason. Tyler McComas tweeted out Saturday and asked what OU's defense is actually good at. Just one thing that they're good at. And my answer was hashtags. They're, they're really good uh, at yeah. hashtags. And they can't tackle. And, and, and then Texas has a chance to win the game against CCU. And they fumble at the one yard line. I mean, the kid gets stood up at like the three. And he tries to reach the ball across. And it gets swatted away. That's just – that's bad situational football. That's bad awareness. That's just bad. So, I don't know what happens between OU and Texas this Saturday. I mean, we're either going to have 
an OU team and a Texas team that are both one and two in conference play, or we're going to have an OU team that's 0 and three in conference play, which all of a sudden means that Oklahoma State, very realistically, as we move forward, could find themselves, if they can keep winning, in a Big 12 title game in Arlington against Kansas State, Iowa State, maybe Texas if they beat OU this weekend. I don't know. It's it's totally wild. It's completely up for grabs right now. But I'm pretty stunned uh, to see what we've seen from Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, Texas, I've come to expect this from, right? They always lose two or three games to begin the season. And everyone who picked them to win yeah. the league in the national championship looks like morons. That, that I'm used to. OU's got a lot of issues. Number one is, I think, you know, obviously their offense has been the best in the country, but it's been better. Than, it's been better than that. Their offense the last five years with Lincoln Riley has been some of the best offense we've ever seen in the history of the sport. And so now that they're not at that level offensively, they can't cover up all how terrible the defense is and still win football games. Now that they've taken a step back on offense, it's there for everyone to see, and they're going to lose games now because their offense can't make up for how terrible their defense is. Their defense has always been terrible. It's been terrible for a decade. And it was a big, it was way worse this week against Iowa State than it was against K-State. They actually played well for spells against Kansas State. They just gave up three or four huge plays and in timely moments. This was like what we've come to used to be seeing, or we've come used to seeing from Oklahoma is missed tackles, no discipline, really no intimidation at all. Like they, they're like to Tyler's McComas's point, what do they do well defensively? They they talk trash would be my answer. You know, Brennan Radley Hiles is a huge liability for them. All he does is talk trash. He talked trash and as a flag was flying for him interfering. And then he argues with the official. And so that's their biggest problem is their offense isn't as good. They can't run the football. They average three and a half yards of carry for the second straight week. And but they have an overarching program problem, Colby. I think we were getting to with the hashtags is Lincoln Riley's entitled these dudes like this, this OU DNA, we're built different. We win championships. Well, there's a lot of great NFL players that won championships there that are gone. And you got a lot of unproven underclassmen who just think because they wear OU on their helmet, they're going to win. And I think that's what you're seeing is their offense isn't as good. Their defense still stinks. They're entitled and they can't run the football. So I, is it as vulnerable as OU's ever been? If they start out 0-3, uh, Colby, I, if OSU doesn't make it to the Big 12 championship game it, <laughs> this year of all years, and if they don't win it this year of all years, then, man, that would be just such, such a massive missed opportunity. Yeah, and, and I'm sure OSU fans are already doing this anyway, but at this point, you should be rooting for OU to lose to Texas this week and then lose another one somewhere along the way so you don't have to see them again in Arlington because what has been OU's Achilles oh, – pardon me, OSU's Achilles Hill anytime they've had a team that can really contend for a Big 12 championship game? It's the fact that for whatever reason, things just tend to go wrong in Bedlam. Not, not for one reason or another. Things just tend to go wrong. The ball doesn't bounce the right way. You get a punt return. You get Blake Bell leading a drive at the end of the game. Things just go wrong in Bedlam, and I feel like it's turned into this mental thing where they just feel like they're going to win that game, and Oklahoma State just feels like it's going to lose that game, and then it, it you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. It plays itself out. James Washington misses the fourth quarter a couple of years ago, and uh, they don't end up winning a game that they probably should have won there. It's, it's just kind of, I, I don't know, it's like Newton's law for Bedlam. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Um, but I, I think if Oklahoma State could see a team that they know that they're better than and that they know they're going to go out and beat, I mean, if you ran up against Iowa State or Kansas State in, in the Big 12 championship game, I like Oklahoma State's chances there. So 
Uh, and, and real quick, before we move on from this, I want to say one last thing. I saw a lot of Spencer Rattler slander on the timeline. I'd be real careful, people, about spin- slandering Spencer Rattler because I think he is an absolute star in the making. I think OU's problem right now offensively is that they can't run the ball. So Rattler's being asked to do too much three starts into his college career. But I think he is an absolute stud who will not – maybe not this year, true freshman – not true freshman, redshirt freshman, trying to figure some things out. But I think in the next two to three years, Spencer Rattler will be a Heisman caliber quarterback. So um, just be be careful slandering Spencer Rattler because I still think he's got the goods. Well, now you're trying to trigger everyone because all I had in my mentions was OSU fans barking about Spencer Rattler because apparently he was the reason they lost the football game, which is not true. He played really not well. Even. That throw he had to Theo Weiss that went right through Weiss's hands was an unbelievable oh throw. God. And he played really well, but the rest of the team did not. I, I agree with you there. By the way, I was thinking about you on that throw because didn't you tweet something about Theo Weiss? You thought he was a <laughs> receiver or something, and then like five minutes later that play happened? Oh, uh, it's just – you just should never tweet. That's the rule, right? I said Theo Weiss is their best receiver. How is he not involved? And then he – the ball literally goes through his hands and he doesn't touch it. It wasn't even a drop. The ball went directly through his hands and he whiffed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I think he might have clipped it with his thumb on the back end. Yeah. But so to your point insane. about avoiding Oklahoma later in the season, some of the best players on their roster are suspended. Ronnie Perkins will be coming back, maybe against Texas. Uh, Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood, two of their best receivers are out. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, one of their best running backs, is out. So to your point about hoping Oklahoma loses another game or two, if you're an OSU fan, it's accurate because they're going to get better. Some of the better talent on their team is not playing right now. So. That's another reason to to avoid him besides all the the ghosts of Bedlam's past. Yeah, the ghosts are what bothers me. I don't <laughs> it, it doesn't even make any sense. And it's been such a good day. And we're talking about OU losing two in a row. And, you know, that's fun. And Twitter was fun on Saturday night. And, you know, all that good stuff. And then we're talking about how Oklahoma State just can't find ways to win Bedlam. So we'll save that. We'll table that conversation and circle back to it uh, on about November 20th. Yep, let's table that. Again, Oklahoma State is first, tied for first in the Big 12 with Oklahoma or with Iowa State, Kansas State. Then there's Texas, West Virginia, Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma. The the standings look totally flipped to how they normally look, Colby. It's kind of an odd start to 2020, but Oklahoma State sitting pretty in in Big 12 play. Let's get to uh, Bullets and BBs, Colby. Uh, This is our segment where we give out our uh, our good award and our bad award for the for the week. Who you got for uh, for bullets and BBs? You can start with bullets, I guess. Yeah, my bullet. <laughs> I'm going to give to Braden Johnson just for the simple fact that we've been waiting for another Oklahoma State receiver, a second guy to make a big play, and we got one out of Braden Johnson. He had the 66 yard touchdown catch on Saturday. So um, it, it's Kansas. I I didn't want to go too obvious. Um, I thought about giving it to Shane because I do think he played really well, but I'm going to give it to the guy who finally emerged and made a big play behind Tyler Wallace, and that was Braden Johnson. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that's what he does, man. He's he's pure speed, and I think that's that's a guy you just put in the slot. You have him run go routes all game just to keep the defense honest and open things up for Tylen. I, I loved what I saw from him, and that's a weapon they can use. So it was, it was good to see him get off the schneid. Uh, my bullet is going to go to we already talked about Tylen. he was great chuba he was great again i'm gonna i'm gonna give it up to mike gundy i think he's done a great job through this point of the season and again it's he's dealt with some weird things at the quarterback spot but more than anything just going to kansas is just such a tough spot and it's way more tough when it's not covid and the 
because typically it's the only game you play where there's no one there and there's no environment. You're usually playing early in the day and it's just, it's a slog. I mean, you go to, you go through past years, some of the best teams, like when, when TCU won the big 12, uh, they, they had to, they had to score late to win that game. Vince Young in 05, when they won the national championship, had to convert like a fourth and 13 just to beat Kansas up in Lawrence all the way back then. So it's, it's a tough spot. Gundy's been in a tough spot this offseason. He's been in a tough spot this season at quarterback play. But he's done a great job. He's, he's had his team ready to play. He's, he's coached his tail off so this far. So I want to give it up to Mike Gundy again. Yeah, I like it. For my BB, um, I, I don't really have any BBs to give out to Oklahoma State because they beat Kansas 47 to 7 and basically <laughs> gave up no yards. So I'm gonna give my yeah, I'm gonna give my BB to OU in Texas. I mean, OU in Texas kind of carry the torch in, as far as national perception goes for the Big 12. And we're seeing tweets Saturday night, the Big 12 has opted out of the college football playoff. I'm like, well, not really, but yes, OU in Texas have opted out of the uh, college football playoff, or at least OU has with its second loss. I guess Texas just has the one, and they've got the helmet logo, so they could maybe work their way back up, depending on how many other dominoes fall. But I've got to give my BBs to OU in Texas. They carry the torch for the conference, uh, and right now there is no flame at the end of that torch. Absolutely. That's a great pick. I'm going to go with just Kansas football in general. Like Another good pick. You mentioned it. Like It's like they thought – and, and a lot of football programs do this in the moment. They think, oh, well, we're at this level. If we get rid of this guy, we'll be even better. And that's what they thought about Mangino. They clearly just were tired of Mangino. Apparently he was, you know, not that easy to deal with, which I understand. But be careful what you wish for, because you went from making bowl games and freaking winning the Orange Bowl with Mangino, which I still can't believe happened. They shouldn't have been in the game, really, because Missouri won the North, but that's neither here nor there. But – this is what can happen. You can, you can go from being a team like that to the worst power five school in the country. I mean, their, their win totals since then are probably the worst in the country from any power five. So Kansas, you're great at basketball, but you, you really screwed it up with, with Mangino and company. So Good one. I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't even look forward to Kansas week. I'm glad it's in the rearview mirror. That game on Saturday was boring. We had my my sister and her husband were at the house to watch it. I think at halftime we broke out board games and and watched the second half while we played board games. It was and and it's double <laughs> meaning there a board game and a board game because we were actually <laughs> bored from watching Kansas attempt to play football. I think I did the exact same thing you did. Well, I was with my fiance and her her, her friends, and we ended up doing something else. The second half it was it was pretty boring. Uh, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit one more time. You go to chrisuniversityspirit.com and get all your shopping done for Oklahoma State Athletics. Uh, we got, you know, the holiday season's not too far away. We're into October, you know, Christmas coming up soon. So if you want to do some shopping, go to chrisuniversityspirit.com or stop by on Campus Corner in Stillwater right next to Hideaway. Grab you some pizza as well. So uh, let's do the uniform review, Colby. We, uh, we both were right on the helmet, on the uh, uniform predictions. You got the helmet correct with the, uh, the matte black. I got the gray pants. Uh, did you predict gray pants too, or did you just go orange? No, I, I got the helmet and the jersey. So I nailed the helmet and the jersey, but I predicted orange pants. So I was two for three. Uh, I was real bummed to see the gray pants when they ran out. Well, I, we both got the jersey because they always have to wear white. So I got the pants and the jersey. And uh, but I thought it looked good. I Look, I, I've always said I'm, I'm in favor of just seeing something different. Like, don't just wear 
white, white, orange, every single row game, which I, I like that combo a lot, but I'm all for them toying with combos and they've worn this before, but with that helmet, that Jersey and those pants, I thought it was a nice alternate combination. You can throw out there against the Kansas and save your better ones for some of your better road games, but I, I thought they looked good. Yeah. I think like you said, it was okay for Kansas. I'm not a big fan of the gray. The only gray that I really like, and, and I don't know, some people might disagree here. I actually like the gray helmet. Uh, I'm not big on the gray shirts or pants. So I don't know. They just don't look that great to me. But again, it was Kansas. Put your gray pants on, go out, win 47 to seven and head home. Um, not a big deal, but I, I wouldn't imagine we'll see the gray pants again this year. Those will probably be retired. I like the, I like the gray pants, actually. I think it's you one of like their, the gray pants. I do. I, I think it's one of their better... I think it's the best usage of it. I, I don't remember the last time they wore a gray helmet, but I, I do like the. It's been a while. They don't wear the gray helmet very often. Kyle used to hate those things, but I I, I, I always kind of liked them too. But uh, who's your uniform Heisman? We got to give out a uniform Heisman before we get out of here. Who who did you like? Um, you didn't like the gray pants, but who did you think looked good in the in the uni? Who was your uni Heisman? Yeah, I thought it was Trey Sterling. I thought Trey Sterling was all over the place on uh, on Saturday and. I feel like I might have gone defense every week now. So maybe next week I'll, or maybe in two weeks I'll try to go offense. But I think it was Trey Sterling. I think he was all over the place. He was making plays. Um, and, yeah, he just looked the part, especially on the bench whenever they threw up the image of him and the picture. Uh, they threw up the picture of him, and then at the bottom it said Spencer Sanders uh, with his stat line. So that was pretty funny. But, yeah, I thought Trey Sterling uh, looked the part in the uniform. There were some choices to be made here. Tywin always looks great. Uh, Chuba had this weird thing going on with his mouthpiece. Did you notice that? He yes, had like I the did. what was that? Well, he has like the the pacifier mouthpiece, but the piece that's normally attached to your face mask so it can hang down was just not attached. It was like flapping around. I can't I can't give Chuba that after watching that. I'm going with Shane Illingworth, the true freshman. I think he looks like a legit like. NFL, SEC type, you know, big, tall, strong quarterback in, in the uni. I think he looks pretty good for a, for a freshman. He's been he's been learning well from the others on how to wear a uniform. But I'll, I'll go with the I'll go with Shane. I like number sixteen as well for a quarterback. So I'll I'll go with the true freshman. He 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 was wearing the the sleeves that I talked about last week. The kind of the Whedon era under like the three quarter uh, sleeves underneath the jersey. I, I thought he looked good. Yeah, he did look good. I, that wasn't one that I considered. I did consider Tylen. I kind of had it narrowed down to Tylen or Trey Sterling, uh, but I figured I'd give Tylen one in the future because he he looks the part just about every week. Yep, no doubt. Well, that'll do it for Kansas week. You got one interesting thing, Colby, or you want to get out of here? Uh, I mean, I don't have much interesting from that game on Saturday. The defense dominated. Yep. OSU, 2-0, or 3-0 overall, 2-0 in the Big 12 play, and – my one interesting thing is a friend of the show, Justin Southwell, had the tweet of the week. Uh, I quote tweeted it and called it that if you want to go see what I'm talking about on Twitter. He says, me about to give up on 2020, but then I see OSU is 3-0 and and OU is 1-2. and And it's a gif of like Britney Spears walking up the stairs and just turning around and smiling. It's, it, I haven't laughed that hard at a gif or a meme tweet in a long time. So that's my that's my one interesting thing. It's kind of the mood of, of OSU fans this week coming off another win while although he loses yeah I actually let me change that and I'll, I'll give you one interesting thing my one interesting thing was that Kansas uh went on the road and beat number 11 in the country UCF not Kansas Tulsa Tulsa went on the road and beat number 11 oh yeah that's right shout out Tulsa. 
I thought they might need to fire Philip Montgomery and he goes and wins at UCF. So that that's a that's that's not nothing for OSU, right? I mean, that's a win that, you know, they'll they'll analyze in the the CFP board meetings and they'll say, "Hey, look, they beat Tulsa at home and Tulsa's gone to do this." That that certainly doesn't hurt their cause. No, not at all. That's that's not that I was rooting for Tulsa to win that game for that very reason. I was like, "Hey, Oklahoma State really struggled with this team and if they go beat UCF, then people will look and say, wow, Oklahoma State, even without its starting quarterback the whole game and some things going wrong, was able to lock down Tulsa and get a win. And, I mean, it's not an all-world win by any means, but looks a little better after Saturday. So, I'll take it. Absolutely. Cowboys 3-0. It's bye week this week. We'll, we'll get back with you again on Friday. We'll probably ask for some Twitter questions since it's bye week. And I'm sure there'll be plenty to discuss in regarding Oklahoma State, the, the new episode of uh, – our time ESPN plus uh, documentary, maybe PFB podcast will make another appearance. We'll have to wait and see Colby, but thanks again for joining and uh, we'll catch up with you later this week. No doubt three and out. Oh.